Hello and welcome to our first ever episode of our Oakleaf Partnership Regions podcast. I'm Lauren Hewlett, Senior Manager of our North Office. I lead the team here and I specialise in recruiting for interim roles across the North and Scotland. And I'm Alex Wright, Manager here in our North Office and I lead on senior permanent hiring across varied industries and sectors. And we are super excited to welcome our guest today, Louise McCarthy-Teague. And I've had the pleasure of working with Louise for a few years um, on, on a client basis. She's a, a dear friend also, and I'm looking forward to her being the star of today and <laughs> giving everyone, um, talking through sort of her experience um, and her thoughts. And um, so I'm gonna, now gonna hand over to Louise. So Louise, if you wouldn't mind um, giving us a brief overview of your career path and how you've arrived in your current role as Head of Talent and Wellbeing at Thompson Solicitors. Okay, hello both, lovely to be here. Hello. Um, hello. So my HR career started a long time ago um, and I left school at 17 and went into my first HR job and it was a personnel assistant, they were called then. <laughs> and um, I started in the public sector and did that for a few years and then I got my big break into retail so I worked for the Burton group that then became Arcadia yes right all yeah. over the UK yeah and I worked in retail and then I worked in retail logistics and then I went global with retail logistics and Tibbet and Britain acquired the logistics business so off I went to the Middle East Africa and Asia for the next few years Wow. wow um, and then I came back and got enticed to do a role in Manchester never been here before <laughs> um, and uh, came for a year and 20 something years later I'm still here, here you are. <laughs> so you don't are. regret that um, did a lot of work in logistics technology businesses um, big brands and then I went into professional services probably about 10 years ago uh, to do a large legal role um, I then did something that people don't normally get a chance to do I took a year out to do some paying it forward and supporting people, particularly with my links with Women in the Law UK. That's great. And then the last two years before I joined Thompson's, I did a global role for health consulting. So very relevant post-pandemic mm. and worked majority in the US and India and did spend a bit of time in the UK. Did that for two years, but it wasn't sustainable in terms of spending most of my life in the US. Yeah. Um, and thought I was having the summer off last year but then got approached by Thompson Solicitors. <laughs> but it's way. fair to say I haven't looked back it's been a fantastic 10 months. Excellent. Great. What would, you, what would you say that's kept you engaged in HR throughout your career? I, I think if you if you have an opportunity to work for a business that allows you to be innovative and creative then that sparks mm. your interest all the time and you know and a constant change. And I know a lot of people talk about change, but genuinely, if you're allowed to put your stamp on something and build something, then that keeps me interested. If somebody wants me to go and do a maintenance role, then I'm not your person. Sure. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, so the innovative businesses, the creative businesses, I would put a caveat there, this is not about big budgets. Because mm. people often think, throw money at it, it works. I like businesses that have got a purpose, and Thompson certainly has a purpose mm. in social justice, but also allows you to be that creative individual. 
Brilliant. That's great. So, uh, would you say, sort of like, sort of like al along the way, that there has been any specific uh, experiences or mentors that played a significant uh, role in shaping your HR philosophy and your leadership style? Yeah, I can I can think of one or two people. One of which I'm still in touch with, probably thirty years later. Great. So people that. I see leaders as not looking up, but always looking down to see who they can pull up the ladder. Mm. So I think leaders that buy into the HR journey, the philosophy of it, the um, added value of it, and never more is it coming to the fore in, uh, apart from the last two years. Um, but I think people that you can still ring up and say, guess what, I'm doing this, does this make sense? Did we do this 20 mm. years ago or something? Yeah. So yeah, I can name a few people. And they've been either people that have been suppliers, bizarrely, of HR services, or they've been non-HR leaders within organizations. Interesting. So that's yeah. been, yeah. that's been, um, it's been important. And as I say, um, I'm still in touch with one or two of them, which is fantastic. That's really, really key, isn't it? Yeah. So I guess what we wanted to kind of get from you really is a little bit more around your thoughts around the, the HR challenges and the challenges that the, the, the people industry faces. So from your perspective, what are some of the most pressing challenges that you and your peers within HR are currently facing? I'd firstly say that, you know, we came into, or the sector came into and the profession into its own as a result of the pandemic. But it's also fair to say that people either sank or swim because of that, mm. you know, because you were really tested. And, you know, there's lots of people that have lots of reasons to go into HR, not always the best reasons to go into HR. Yeah. Um, so it is a tough job. You know, you have to know everything in the organization. You are a specialist, but everyone expects mm. you to know where everything is, you know, where's the tea bag, sure. where's the exit. <laughs> yeah. It's true, it's yeah. true, it's a fact. And that goes with the territory. I think the challenge, I don't, I don't think we still understand the meaning of work post pandemic pandemic in particular i would say hybrid working mm. you know it's not a gift it's not it's not a benefit yeah but also in my experience some organizations aren't clear about what that is yeah. and why it is yeah. it's a great um, area isn't it yeah, yeah. And, and people get confused with agile was it hybrid mm. what are you calling it mm -hmm. but i think one of the biggest um, challenges is understanding a multi-generational workforce so yeah. I work in an industry that's very traditional, very old, very set in its ways. Mm. Um, we probably have about six or seven generations in my organisation. We have people that started this week and we have people who have just done 45 years, which is phenomenal. Sure. But the leadership and managers need to understand what that cultural shift's all about. Mm. Yeah. And I think understanding how pe why people want to work, what they want from work, um, you know, and what we should be giving back to them is a real, real challenge. And I don't have the golden ticket on that, but certainly we're doing a lot of work on that. I think also um, the other thing from a talent perspective is the old adage of this person's moved every two years. So there's right. a real education around that because, you know, that yeah. younger generation, you know, in their late teens, their 20s, their 30s, their lifestyle's different, their preferences are different. So I think we have a huge piece of reflection to do and actually understanding rather than before we jump in and start making new policies and procedures around it. And if we want the workforce of the future, then we have to respect what the demands are now on younger people and younger generation. Mm. They're not going to do 15 hour days and that's I wouldn't right. expect them to. They're not going to come in, you know, all stiff in a suit. Sometimes that's relevant, but you know, 
we have to adapt. And I think adaption's a massive, massive challenge for all organisations right now. Yeah, absolutely. Huge yeah. education piece, isn't it? Mm-hmm. For sure. So in your view then, how has the role of HR evolved over the years? Um, and I guess kind of with that in mind, what new challenges have emerged as a result of this evolution? I think um, HR has always had a, um, a seat at the senior table, but I think it shouldn't wait to be invited. Mm. I think uh, if you're worth yeah. your weight, you know what you're talking about, you should be influencing that senior seat at the table. I think also um, you cannot kind of under, underestimate the well-being piece that's running through the organisation. Uh, yeah. So, and that's that. I think that is massive challenge. So, at Thompson's, we have designed the triangle of financial, mental, and physical well-being. And so, because if you have one, it's going to have an effect on the other. Mm. So, we have a really robust um, strategy around well-being in the workplace. And we're not catering just for the employee, we're catering for their family members or their broader circle outside through education, support, guidance, whatever that is. So I think that's a massive, massive, Mm. I think underestimate, I think. And again, it's about understanding and it's about recognising that one size doesn't fit all in the workplace. But my big hobby horse is HR people understanding the commercial reality of the organisation. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, return on, you don't have to be an accountant. I'm not an accountant, but making decisions without understanding the financial impact. Absolutely. Or the return of investment. I think, you know, you're going to stall. You're not going to get that seat at the table. You're not going to be able to influence. And I think you, people need to understand their sphere of influence and take, you know, advantage of that when they can. But commercial understanding, I think, gives HR people an edge. You know, people see us as very pink and soft, Mm. historically, to use those terms. But we need to be on a level playing field, that golden triangle with the CEO, the commercial director and the HR director coming together. Yeah, absolutely. Really interesting. I really like that concept of the triangle piece and having that as an all-encompassing to be ordered to move Mm. forward and make those decisions. You have to view it all. I like Um, triangles. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) 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 Um, Very true. So... Um, okay, so in the context of a rapidly changing work landscape, which we have already mentioned, um, how do you see your role adapting to address these challenges? Crikey, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think it goes without saying, and people listening to this will get it, you know, you've got to submerge yourself into the organisation. But I think it's almost like you have to have a crystal ball, literally, and think what's coming at us, mm-hmm. not doing too much making it simple and actually doing one or two things really well and again that sounds simple but I think we're in danger particularly post-pandemic of people having a wish list and it's 300 yes. things on it yes. yeah. and if you're not managing expectations you, everyone's going to fail over-promising yeah absolutely yeah. over-promising but I think you've got to engage with your leadership uh, in terms of what really are the challenges mm. so talent remains a challenge you know the talent market you guys know better than me is just you know, it's just all up and down, isn't it? It's really, really changing so rapidly. I think you need flexibility in that talent market in terms of, okay, a phrase I use in in my present role is, you're looking for a unicorn, you're not gonna get the unicorn. So let's look at 85% of the candidate and then let's try and get that candidate for you. So that's one example. 
Um, I think the other thing is, particularly the way we're working, so whether if people are completely home working or hybrid working, you really need to set new people coming into the workplace up for success. Mm. You know, mm. that is massive. And, you know, sending people off with a laptop within a week and saying, there you go, hybrid working, well, you're gonna fail before sure. you get it further. Um, you know, and we, we've, we've, we've respected that, we've understood that, we've also, you know, we've suffered that. So it's learning from that. And I think the third thing, given I said about the multi-generation workforce, is, you know, people want clear career paths. Yeah, because they want to move more rapidly and they should be allowed to do that. But as long as it's mapped out and clear, rather than, you know, managers panic and think, oh, my God, stick senior in front of the title or assistant. Yeah. You know, let's let's be honest and clear about expectations and how people are going to move forward in their career. And if they're not, also manage that. So, yeah. Great. Yeah. So looking ahead, what key HR initiatives do you believe will be critical for organisations to succeed in the coming years? Um, I think I think there's certainly ways of working need to be looked at. So, you mm. know, I think technology's massive. I'm not talking about AI necessarily, but again, the demands of that younger generation coming in, yeah. or a kit that works. Yeah. I think we have a challenge around communication mm -hmm. because so much is it is done on, um, you know, on either their phone or a laptop or whatever it is. And so many different platforms as well. Exactly. Yeah. And, and people have a voice on platforms, but mm. I think in some respects, people have lost their voice. Mm. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. and I think, reconnecting with people so if you're in an organization that has a strong hybrid model or actually everyone's working from home which is absolutely fine depending on the sector and the role then you must have the power of reconnection because again it comes back to well-being you may say to somebody oh we're you know 100 hybrid working we don't come into the office at all how do you know how that's affecting the individual unless you ask them yeah. so you know i think the well-being has a, you know, is almost a vein through a lot of these challenges, but I think also managing expectations and, you know, having that care of thought in terms of what's going on because everyone's, you know, putting in an advert, for example, or talking to somebody in an interview about, oh, we do this, we do that, we do the other. Yes, yeah. Is that really what that person wants? Yeah, you're right. It, it, it might not yeah. be relevant to that person. No. Yeah. No. Tune into the right audience, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and again, people coming into the workplace for the first time or coming into a different sector, then that whole guidance has to be there. And it's, but I think in my experience talking to some of my peers, we had to adapt so much in the pandemic in terms of how we onboarded, how we recruited, mm. how we trained people. We've forgotten to flick the switch back to real life. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, getting personal with people. So I think the power of reconnection is massive moving forward. And I don't think we should under, underestimate that. Mm. No, absolutely. No, I, I do agree. Yeah. Have you, have you got any examples of innovative HR strategies um, that you've been a part of, which have had a positive impact on the organization that you've been working for, um, particularly around culture and employee engagement? That's a tough question. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting tougher and tougher as it goes on. Didn't say on, it was going to be easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, you know, engagement. How long have you got? Um, sure. I, I think in every role that you do, every role that I've done, you've, you've tried, again, it's the innovation, trying to do something a little bit different. Yeah. 
Um, there's lots of historical tried and tested methods, which I think don't need rebuilding or rewriting. They work. Mm. Um, I think that verbal connection is massive in terms of cultural change. I don't think, and all, I think again, yeah. you know, you can get lost in translation on email. You can get lost in translation on interest. They've all got their places. But I think, you know, that whole verbal communication, it doesn't have to be in person, mm. but I think, you know, seeing seeing somebody's face, their reaction, giving them an opportunity to, you know, take in what you're saying and consider how they want to respond to it. Yeah. So I think culturally, all our cultures changed after the pandemic. It changed in the pandemic. Yeah. And I'm not sure how much organizations have audited that and just tried to push people like through meat meat grinder and think we're going back to what we did before because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you can't we can never do that again and it's very stressful so i think you know there's so many legs to engagement and cultural change and i do think it's down to the individual organization yes there's things like you can do engagement surveys you can do audits you can do events to you know listening groups they're all tried and tested methods yeah but one size doesn't fit all. And I think, you know, getting, we need to be in danger of the, um, you know, the um, typecasting. Oh, let's do this method, let's do that method, that works, that works. I think it's almost like auditing yourself and auditing, auditing your DNA in the organization and then thinking, right, how do we adapt this moving forward, but not forcing it on people. Okay, yeah. It's not a one-size-fits-all, is it? No, like, no, no. But I think no. engagement has so many legs to it. I mean, you know, there's the engagement in terms of culture, but it's also, what is this business offering me? What's this organisation offering me? Yeah, that's it. I know what I can do for them as an individual, yeah. but what is it? What's in it for me? Yeah. But we hear that a lot. We do. Yeah, yeah. we what, do hear the, that What's a lot. in it yeah. for me piece? Yeah. And it's fair. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And people, yeah. people are now more picky, aren't they, about what they yeah. want to do, mm-hmm. you know, and where they want to work. And I get that. Um, you know, so... For us, it's about social justice in Thompson's, and you know, people have a passion for that. So again, finding people's passion, whatever organisation it is, and what they want to do, why they want to be there. I think people often forget to ask why you're here, why do you want to join us, and I think that's a really powerful question. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, okay, so looking to the future, <laughs> and as you look to the future, I guess, how do you envision the role of HR evolving? And what skills do you think will be crucial for HR professionals to succeed in the changing landscape? Um, I mean, the language is changing. So, you know, personnel, HR, talent's a massive piece now. Chief people officers are coming. So the descriptions are changing. And I think that's partly due to the demand of organisations to, you know, put a stamp on that investment in that individual or that department. So I think that's quite important. I think we have to have our listening ears on all the time. But I think also we need to manage expectations and also push back because we're in danger of burnout as much as anyone else. Mm. So, as I said earlier, doing one thing well rather than 200 things average is one thing. But I think think having a good people strategy, delivering it, telling people what what the business wants to do, it has to be intrinsically linked to the vision of the firm as well or the organisation you're working with. Um, I can't really pinpoint anything apart from what I've said in terms of, you know, the things that stick out to me are, you know, the generational workforce, how people work and what their expectations are. They're the biggies for me. 
but then you know I don't know where to start with technology because there's you know as soon as you start talking about AI everyone's sending you articles everyone's got the answer and everything else it's quite overwhelming isn't it yeah. it's really overwhelming and I don't think we should be forced just to respond to that immediately I think there should be some reflection and then sort of some guidance in terms of you know what do we need and what do we need yeah. now mm. versus in the future because certainly in my experience I haven't had employees come forward and say what are we doing on this what are we doing on that it's normally if you change something or um, they use a piece of technology that doesn't work that's where you get the conversation from it yeah. rather than force it and I think that's I think that's another important point journeyfication of everything you do to do with people whether it's onboarding whether it's implementing a new system or a process if you don't journeyfy it yeah then it's not going to work and you're wasting mm. money time energy so yeah I still think there's some reflection um, I think I still think you know the talent market will remain disruptive for mm. a very long time that obviously puts pressure on you guys <laughs> yeah well we're feeling that <laughs> um, right now yeah. aren't we buckle up <laughs> um, yeah. but I think there's more call for um, career progression and transparency of that yes yeah and also one size doesn't fit all anymore yeah it's interesting what you're saying about the technology side because it moves so fast and when organizations are looking to bring new technology in by the time it's you know they've sourced it you know they've done the beauty or they've done the beauty parade they've chosen it's been implemented it's been rolled out there's a new shiny product yeah. again waiting in the wings yeah um already mm. so yeah it, it, yeah, it's an interesting point. Yeah. But whatever you put in, you mm. need to get people maximising the use of that exactly. before you start saying, oh, we're going to put something else in. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we're all in, you know, I'm, I'm not exempt from that. We're all been in danger of just saying, oh, we're doing this today, or we're shoving that in, yeah. mm. and it doesn't work. It. So journeyfication of anything that we're doing, and again, managing expectations. So if somebody looks at the iPhone they get at work and just say, what, that's it? You can just say, yeah, that's what we offer. Yeah. You know, rather than just say, oh, do I need to promise something else? Yeah, you can't it. do that. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. Good. Interesting. So, so, so to wrap up, we're at know, the end. Yeah, we're at the end. God. <laughs> <laughs> Louise is fanning herself yeah. <laughs> for the listeners. Yeah. <laughs> so, so where um, do you think? Just is there anything that else that you'd like to share, um, like on the podcast, and whether that be around like your own journey, the sort of like the current state of HR, how it's perceived within sort of businesses on the whole or, or on LinkedIn so to speak or you know or any sort of like your hopes for the future God, that's a good question I think um, I think from a social media point of view so obviously LinkedIn is our go-to yeah. platform um, there is so much on it now mm. it is overwhelming and you, you know, you see people, and I, you know, I've withdrawn from it quite a lot. I'll do the odd thing, mm. so it's really overwhelming that platform. It's not unique to that platform, you know. If you use Insta or anything else, it's to do your personal life. But yeah. that's, you know, that's really overwhelming. So you kind of like there's an expert at every post, which I'm sure they're all experts, but it it, it floods it so much you don't know, you know. Whereas actually, I think we've moved away from celebrating you know people's successes and celebrating mm -hmm. sort of innovation and that's just a personal view so whereas I used to probably look at it every day if I look at it once a week it, you'll be lucky because it is overwhelming um, I think one thing I would say as a takeaway is don't stay at a job just because you need a job and I've done that historically okay. so if things aren't right in terms of you haven't bought into the vision, the values, the leadership, 
the philosophy of the organisation, it's not a big deal to walk away from that. In fact, that makes you stronger. And mm-hmm. I know from a personal point of view, you know, staying too long, you have then you have regrets yeah. and you shouldn't really have regrets. So I think people should, you know, choose wisely with the organisation they all, they join. And I think in 2023 and beyond, it's about having a purpose. Uh, visions and values are very, very important, but having a purpose that buys into your own ethos, yes. I think is really, yes, really important. Yeah. Um, and not rush into stuff. I think that's that's important too. Yeah. Good advice. Yeah. Brilliant advice. Yeah. So I think I think that's everything. Excellent. Well, yeah. thank you so much for thank joining you. us on our first ever episode. That was brilliant. We really, yeah. really appreciate it. It's been an absolute pleasure. And <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, thank you for uh, being our first guest. My pleasure. Um, very much appreciated. And hope everybody's enjoyed it. And give us a follow. Like and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> thank you.